Hi, welcome to Resourced Adult, where two close friends with two clinical backgrounds ask one question. How can we expand, redefine, and integrate the idea of being a grown-up? Welcome to Episode 8. This is Dr. Danny Anderson coming to you live from Portland, Oregon. Hi, everybody. Kim Oswald here from Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Kimmy. Hey, Danny. You ready to be resourced? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I need I need some resourcing today. Uh, just so you all know, this is how resourced I was. I didn't even have a microphone plugged in about three seconds ago. <laughs> so we had to start we had to start over. Why? Because I am a working mom and I was stuck in traffic up until about, I don't know, twelve minutes ago and now I'm here at my office and um and yeah, getting kid to school, getting getting button chair and plugging in microphone seemed to be too big of a task this morning. Button chair, B I C. But in ch- I will <laughs> but in chair. I will offer to you that you are allowed to make mistakes without explanation, but I appreciate the comic relief. <laughs> yes, sometimes you just need to laugh at it. Well, and I mean, I think it also shows the. I mean, we're real people here. You know, we're real people with real lives, having real conversation, keeping it real. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So today, episode eight. What were we? Today we have a we have a just a small just a small topic today. (laughs) As per usual. Yeah, I was just gonna say we decided to talk about a lighthearted subject. Per use, yeah, you know, just the idea of not betraying yourself. Just a little small nugget for a Tuesday morning. Just, yeah, the uh, absence of self-betrayal. That's an easy, easy topic here. um, It's about 8.40 a.m. on the West Coast here. And I think it's a great way to start the day. (laughs) I do, and I think there's so many directions we can take it, and I think all we can do is speak to what's showing up for us in this moment and hope that it resonates with other people. But I know um, you and I have been having some conversations and going through some Mm -hmm. things in our lives or we've been recognizing places where perhaps we were not being really true to ourselves for various reasons and... Mm -hmm the awareness of that and then what it looks like to shift that and I think it's important maybe to just start out with how this ties into being a resourced person and absolutely for me you know we wanted to start this podcast to talk about okay wow we are the grown-ups in these scenarios now we have children looking to us we have partners looking to us we have peers looking to us, coworkers, everybody, and what does it look like to truly step into those moments as, moments as someone, you know, for me, being a grown-up means being self-aware, being inquisitive and curious about why we do things the way that we do. Um, I just mm-hmm. listened to, you know, our man, Dr. Stan Tatkin. I just listened mm-hmm. this morning to a short 25, 30-minute podcast he had posted on another podcast called Your Soul Purpose. 
with this. Uh, mm-hmm. It's another. So I just added this to my subscription list. But basically, he was talking about our ability to move out of the automated brain into the moment. And mm-hmm. for me, this is what some of the grief and the awareness around is, is like, wow, my automated automatic response in a lot of these scenarios that have been coming up that I had to be mindful of and shift is that I was betraying myself, whether that meant negative self-talk, negative self-perception, uh, putting others first when it was not appropriate, that type of thing. I wonder if mm-hmm. how that speaks to you. Absolutely. Um, I, I think it absolutely speaks to me. Um, I agree that, especially the negative self-talk, I realized very recently, although I've noticed it over the last few years, that the voice that's in my head is a very critical parental voice of you're not doing it right or you're not good enough or you're not worthy enough or or whatever that was. Um, It wasn't until I got really serious about my yoga and mindfulness practice that I really started to hear that voice very, very clearly. And I think it's been revolutionary on my end to switch that voice anytime I become mindful of it or aware that it's going on, first of all, resource myself, meaning going down that light lighthouse list because, man, that voice gets loud if I'm hungry, tired, cold, um, overtaxed, overstressed, not putting my emotions out on a regular basis, you know, all those things. And for me, um, being able to switch that voice over to the loving parental voice um, I talked to you, I shared with you about this voice that I have in my head and I call myself baby girl. <laughs> I'm always like, okay, baby girl, you know, it's been hard this week. And I just, and I just think that it's interesting. It's easier for me to, to bring up that voice or to elicit that voice in my head when I have been spent time with my son because it's something that I'm really cognizant of, cognizant of when I'm with him. It's that's basically the voice that I use with him, which is the loving parent, you know, because this is what I'm attempting to be in the world most of the time mm-hmm. and and to embody. And so for me, it's been much easier since I've become my own a parent to my own child um, to realize, wow, this voice that's been in your head all these years is not a very loving parent at all. In fact, there, there's, um, as my friend Meredith says all the time, less stick, more carrot. You know, it's like we need a little bit more incentive to move forward. And I think I allowed that stick or that, the, the pro, the prod to be, you know, um, stuck in me on a mental level one too many times. Hmm. And, uh, I've become much more aware of that and especially the last you know just going through a very trying time in the last year and change mm-hmm. so it's been good but I, I agree absolutely well and I'm going to not challenge but question you about has it become easier since you became a parent or did it become more urgent for you to examine it because I think for me it's more think- accessible because I have to be in that mm-hmm. place, but 
the process for me was going to be the process regardless of when I chose to do it. It wasn't like, oh, well, because my son's here, this feels easy. It was just like, this feels necessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think that it's just a, you know, it's like, it's one of those things that you don't awaken to, I think, fully until you have to exemplify that behavior outwardly mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, yeah, okay, I knew that these voices, like, in my head, and I know that sounds like, you know, some sort of, <laughs> like, things are talking to me, but no, it's really just my internal, it's my internal motivator, it's my internal criticism, it's my internal, um, just my internal thoughts and, and cleaning house on that mm-hmm. because I, because part of my spiritual practice and my way of being in the world is whatever is going on in the inside is going to come out on the outside. So we have, we have a time to be able to see that displayed in front of us when we're in relationship with other people in general, you know, when we're in partnership with other people, we can see it. Um, I think what was going on was in my last, in my marriage, my last relationship, that voice was allowed to take over because it was becoming very toxic. And because it was becoming very toxic between the two of us, that voice was easier to listen to. Mm-hmm. It's not that it, it ruled me. It's not that it was there all the time. But when it did come up, I was getting that external um, reinforcement of the negativity that I had in my mind. Mm-hmm. And it made it much easier to believe it. If that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. It was all, there was so much continuity between the inside and the outside that there was less of an incentive to examine it, even though it, as we've talked about, it is a a form of Mm self-betrayal. You know, I was just talking with a, a friend of mine from Women's Circle yesterday who is an amazing, self reflective authentic woman who does coaching she's a daily method instructor she's a yoga instructor and you know I love talking about the generational narrative and we were talking about shifting maybe not even necessarily what our parents told us not that we want to vilify that generation but just the societal messages what we grew up believing was necessary for us to be valid and loved in the world and that when that comes up mm-hmm. with our children or, or, you know, in my case, the children I work with or whatever that is, the, the healthier alternative to that generational narrative is often not just the opposite of what we thought, right? So if, right. If, my, if my narrative internally is I have to be perfect or I have to achieve to be worthy or whatever it is, the opposite of that, and this is where I think people get nervous because it feels difficult and scary to let go of that narrative because the opposite also feels instinctively untrue right like oh so that I just don't have to do anything or I just you know it's like well wait a minute that doesn't mean we go into free fall it means there's actually a healthier belief that's beyond the duality of this or the opposite so it's things like you know you are you belong just for virtue of being you you are worthy because you Mm -hmm. are here you are you know you are loved just for being you I mean these are the things that I try to say with my son 
And it's also a healing process for me as well because I have to buy into these beliefs to really share them with him. Right. Um, exactly. But the other thing I was going to say is, you know, we're talking about this internal parental voice and all of that. And again, I, I think we, I want to be really careful and mindful about my language with this because it's, it's again, especially for us as women, what we're carrying around about what it means to be able to have our feelings, speak them aloud, and be in the world, be in relationship, be a member of a society, be a contributing uh, factor in all of these dynamics and be valued. And that has shifted so much. I mean, you and I both, I think, consider Marianne Williamson a very, a very strong teacher. And this book she wrote, A Woman's mm -hmm. Worth, was written in 1993. But yeah. the messages that she's saying here are so at the forefront, I think, right now in 2016. And all of the things that are going on in our climate, socially, politically, culturally. Um, but the sentence that I wanted to start with from this book today that really speaks to this, I think, is this. Women are still in emotional bondage as long as we need to worry that we might have to make a choice between being heard and being loved. Mm -hmm. And you and I have talked preach, so much. Preach on it, Mary We have Ann. talked so much about Jeez. how this book completely changed our lives. I mean, I know I personally had to read maybe four or five pages at a time and then walk away from it for several days to really digest it and process it. And as you know, we were college roommates. I'm, I've always been sort of a speed reader, so that's a really big, difficult departure for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I could blow through three or four books in a weekend typically, and reading this took me about two months. Exactly. I mean, and it was the same thing. And and actually, you know, one of one of the most loving gestures that you did, um, you know, when I began the separation process from my ex-husband was you just, first of all, you never really gave me advice. You just said, I love you no matter what. And then one day that book arrived in the mail and between that book and you know we ended up going to a conference we met each other at a conference and on the plane on the way there I bought you know as you've heard from other episodes Brene Brown's uh, newest book uh, Rising Strong between those two books it sort of awakened it wakened it actually really started to awaken that loving parent um, and it helped me to remember who I who I was and how so easily, especially in relationships, especially especially in relationships where there's sort of a desperation about it, um, where you're trying to save something or you're trying to change something or you're trying to um, insert whatever action that you have no control over. Um, it's just so easy to get caught up in this idea that we are in that emotional bondage and okay now this is permission to abandon abandon yourself and to 
you know, add fuel to that fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just so good at it. Like, I'm so, so good at it. And it's something that I think that unless I had a conscious practice of self-care and stepping out and reasonable conversations with people who are on that on this same path, I think that gosh, it can just swallow you up. It can absolutely swallow you up. And um, as I said before, you'll start to believe, you'll start to believe all that negativity and you start to attract all that negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, that book was is great and highly, highly recommend it. Um, and I agree, it is one of those books that you, it's a tiny book. I mean, it's how many pages? Like 120 pages or something like and it took me like 140. Um, yep. 141. Yeah. 140 pages. 141 pages. And it is 141 pages of absolute channeled truth. Um, and every, it sits on my bedstand to this day. And every time I feel like that little voice or that big voice actually starts sneaking in, I actually pull, that's one of the books I pull out. And I just flip to any number of page and I just read what she has to say to remind myself who I am. And that is just so important. I agree. And thank you for sharing all of that. And I I really appreciate and and I'm touched by your speaking of what that was like being in friendship at that time because it was I think, you know, you and I have been friends for a very long time and we've, when you're, when you're friends, as long as we've been, or you engage in what you try to have as a lifelong friendship, that means you're going to be witness to a lot of things that are difficult if, you know, Mm -hmm. the person is a living, breathing human being, you know, which hopefully we both are. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and I think... I know in the past, you know, my my tendency is, well, let's just let's ex- let's just analyze this. Let's just <laughs> I mean, you and I are like queen yes. analyzers, yes. queen analyzers from mm-hmm. way back. And mm-hmm. let's analyze, let's talk, let's and and all of that has its place, but there was also I think this new piece of surrender and faith that we were both coming into at that time that really did change the landscape of how we started to support each other too. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, I, I appreciate that, that feedback because I did just sort of send you that book without any sort of like, you know, attachment to how you were going to receive it. It was sort of like, here you go. Love you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Paradigm yeah. blown. BT dubs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that it's, there's different levels of awakening that you have in your life. You know, there's the awakening that you have when you're becoming, you know, when you hit puberty, you know, and the hormones kick in. There's awakening that you have when you move out of your your parents' home and you, you know, you try to find your way in the world. There's an awakening you have when you've been an adult for a little while. There's an, you know, everything in life offers a level of awakening. Um, But man pain is just the greatest teacher ever and it was just 
that book came in, the, the words came in, it really affected me. It really, it really changed something within me. And it just sort of opened the door to all these other things in the world that I was shutting down in order to just grab on to something that wasn't serving me um, in order to hold on one more day mm. um, to, the, to the old me. Because that really what that is is just grabbing on to to the um, the fear of becoming who you came here to be, mm-hmm. right? In in any major transition, and and we can we can speak from the transition from not being a mother to being a mother, right? There is still a grief process that you go through of, wow, I am never gonna not worry about somebody again, <laughs> you know? It's sure. like. There's just there's just so many things there. Um, well, and the grief process of however you pictured something going to be, how you think your child's going to be, how you think your marriage is going to be, how you think you're going to be. You all these things you don't realize yeah. you are projecting of, and it's all a fantasy. I mean, I think we've discussed this before, mm-hmm. but as you know, Dr. Shivali, who's the author of the Conscious Parent, like you are only prepared to parent the fantasy of your child not what's actually in front of you you have to really show up for the moment then and really be there any any you know idea of being prepared is being prepared for what you pictured which is pretty much never exactly what you pictured and so there's a grief process even if things are going quote unquote Mm -hmm. well so Mm -hmm. you know for me it was I, I still go through that where it's like realizing, oh my gosh, my son is this age and I I had this idea I was gonna be doing this and I was gonna look like this and I was gonna and all of that, again, mm-hmm. that's a form of self-betrayal, too, because mm-hmm. that is I'm holding myself to an idea that was never really true to start with because that was some external measure of how worthy I actually am versus can I just be with what is mm-hmm. and love myself right. there. Yeah, and I've been talking, you know, we've talked about this book a lot. This is another really good one. It's just the four agreements, right? And I've been talking about this with um, – and my other friends and my boyfriend and this is like the one that I, I think really goes with it the agreement of being impeccable with your word yes and how important it is that we're not only impeccable with our with our word outwardly that external impeccability but the internal impeccability I think is even more important because and it starts with these very very little things like for instance I'll be sitting here, I'll be working, I'll be running from room to room, seeing patients, I'm all over the place. In the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, you need to go to the bathroom. You're hungry. Just take a, take three breaths. Okay, okay, in a minute. Okay, okay, in a minute. I would never treat my son that way. I would never treat anybody externally that way. But for some reason, I've got to push myself further and harder and that again that more stick less carrot thing Mm -hmm. and so what I've been trying to do since I've been talking about this agreement is just absolutely keeping my word as impeccable as I can with myself and how challenging that is Mm -hmm. it's so challenging Um, Mm -hmm. but it starts there and when we talk about self-betrayal we betray ourselves just on these little moments all the time Mm -hmm. you know and I don't even think we're, we're even fully realizing that but those little moments add up to you falling out of the resourcedness of your existence mm-hmm. altogether because it adds up being 
just absolutely, you know, you're depleted. Well, you're just out. You have you have nothing left to give because you're dishonoring your internal experience. Yes. And that is, you know, I, I'm so glad you brought up these little things because I was just going to say there are so many little micro betrayals or opportunities for betrayals that I've realized I've started speaking up about more and more. And that doesn't mean that it always means that I'm, you know, doing everything, but even to just voice it like and some of it's silly stuff like, you know me, I am a rule follower from way back. Like this <laughs> is a big thing for me. I get so uncomfortable when I think I'm doing something that's against a rule and it's something Mm -hmm. as simple as going in the express lane when it says 15 items or less at the grocery store and I have 17 (laughs) I mean I was at the store with my friend and her daughter with my son and myself a couple weeks ago and we were having lunch we had and we were buying our items and she was like oh let's just go in the in this in the express lane, it won't matter. And I looked at her and I was like, I think I'm going to throw up right now. <laughs> like I was just, I still did it. I was like, I'm going way outside my comfort zone. She's like, I know. <laughs> but like a more a bigger betrayal of that, I think, would have been like, okay. And then just allowed that discomfort to take over me on a cellular level. You know, and I think some of that has right. to do with the intimacy of a relationship, too, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But even something mm-hmm. as simple as we were at my in-laws over Thanksgiving, uh, over Thanksgiving weekend just now, and I absolutely do not. I, I get so uncomfortable answering other people's phones. I just don't like mm. it. I never have. I always feel uncomfortable. And uh, some circumstance presented itself where my mother-in-law said, "Oh, well, will you just answer the phone if it rings?" And I said. No, no, I really I can't do that. And she, she thought I was being really obstinate, I'm sure, and I'm sure in some ways I was, but I just said, I was just like, I really just can't. Can you just give the phone? To, my father-in-law was sitting there too, but he has a hard time hearing. I said, I'll tell him if it rings, and I want him to answer his own phone. I just couldn't, you know. It was like in that moment, I was just like, Ugh, that's beyond what I'm comfortable doing, you know, and <laughs> and it's silly. And like, could I have just maybe grown my comfort zone in that moment and done it? Yeah, but the energy within which I had done it would have been resentful because I hadn't honored myself. Right. Well, let's go back to what we talked about in a previous episode, which is making a decision versus making a choice. Yep. Right. Exactly. And how many times? Let's let's repeat that again for those of you who haven't listened. So making a choice is, you make, you say you're going to do something and you agree to it, and then later on you still have energy and resentment over that decision that you made or that choice that you made. Whereas a decision is something that you make with mind, body, spirit, mm-hmm. and no matter the outcome which you've unattached yourself to you're going to be okay with it and not go beat yourself up about it later or anyone or else. your partner or you know somebody isn't going to feel the resentment of that later and just how many times and I, and I say this I talk to my patients about this a lot and I said well are you making a choice or decision and I explain the difference and they're like I don't think I've ever made a decision in my life and it's like we need to really wait, awaken to that point right there Hmm. Um, but that's that's what it is. Making a choice versus a decision. You, in your body, mind, and spirit, could not, in a very simple way, pick up the phone. <laughs> At that moment, you weren't ready to push past those boundaries. Right. 
And if you would have made that choice and felt uncomfortable, we would have been hearing about it. Right. A lot longer. <laughs> I, I'm sure of it. I'm absolutely, and by we, I mean me. And that would have been nobody's fault but my own, you know, because I was the one who betrayed my, I would have been the one who betrayed myself by saying yes to something that I didn't really mean. I wasn't in integrity. Right. So, yeah, I mean, just a little small micro thing, but that kind of stuff happens all the time where it's like, hey, I know this is weird. I have this uncomfortable, you know, this discomfort with this and then being able to move from there. Or again, to like maybe zoom out and not talk about something at the level of the problem and look for the opposite, but to look for the real, real messaging that needs to come through in that situation. Right. So exactly. if somebody's saying yeah. like, oh, that's crazy or oh, that's da da da. Like there were some conversations that happened over the weekend as well, where there were thoughts and ideas about certain people, you know, falling into a certain category of being being labeled crazy. And it was sort of like, let's zoom this out and talk about the fact that everybody has pain and everybody has different ways of dealing with it and being with it and transforming it or running from it and that's my understanding of it. So it's also this, for me, a form of being in integrity and moving away from self-betrayal is not taking everything that's going on around me so literally and trying to see what's really trying to come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit. What do you mean, and I'm only just saying this so our listeners can kind of understand this a little bit because I'm sure they've experienced this on some level. Um, why... What would be an example of crazy that you run into on a daily basis when people throw that around like, oh, this person's crazy? I mean, clearly this is a very varied, very varied scenario, Mm -hmm. but my experience is that word gets thrown around when people become out of perceived control maybe sometimes they're not following the the edicts and standards of of culture with how they're supposed to deal with pain or maybe they're projecting their pain onto other people where they're you know kind of off <coughs> reacting and, and speaking in ways that are not kind I mean I think there's that I think there's people going into judgment and there are circumstances they don't understand and so they just dismiss it with the word crazy you know, um, and, and yes. what I've seen with that is where people are actually, people that are being spoken of as crazy are actually the ones trying to gain a different perspective or, or insert some sort of self-care into a situation, and that's dismissed as mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to speak, right. I, I know I'm being a little vague, but I'm trying to speak a little more generally here to protect the innocent. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> protect the innocent. I get it. I get it. And I think, like, to just reiterate that and maybe say it in a different way, it's when people are out of that perceived norm. Right. We then call them crazy. It's like, oh, you, you know, and I just think of the, uh, I think of, I think of overly helicoptery type moms at a PTA meeting, and you you were in charge of bringing the orange slices to the soccer game, and you didn't have time. So you brought, you know, bananas instead. Oh, she's just so crazy. I can't believe, you know. It's, it's, I think we throw that word around to, you know, laissez-faire. 
a little too often, um, you know, in my own, with keeping, protecting the innocent, um, but within my own family, I think a lot of times just talking the way that we do, speaking the way that we do, honestly and vulnerably, is really labeled as crazy. You know, every time I'm around my my family of origin, I love them, and they and and they are really wonderful people on a lot of levels. But it's very uncomfortable uncomfortable for them when I speak authentically. In in the sense that I'm on hashtag unfiltered, you know, and I'm so used to being able to do that around my friends and around my immediate fam my created family that I. <clears throat> I often forget that and it's almost, and we talked about this in another episode, like you almost have to kind of zip your suit up and put a little bit of protection on and be a little bit more um, conservative with your viewpoints in a way because I don't personally want to be perceived as crazy. And this is something that I'm pushing up against and, and really trying to work on because I want to be impeccable with my word wherever I'm at, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's, again, every time I leave a situation where I have to, quote unquote, put the suit on or play this role or be this person, I come home and really feel the pain from that betrayal. I really do. Mm. Um, and it takes me a week or two to really unwind how much I've had to swallow of myself and of who I really am in order to navigate those waters. Yeah, I hear all of that. The two things that come up yeah. for me are, number one, I think that the use of the word crazy is sort of a shame bomb. Yes, <laughs> shame bomb, absolutely. It's sort of like, I'm just gonna bomb you with, my sh with shaming you so that I can stop being uncomfortable by whatever you're doing that's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> Um, and for me personally, and I also think this is a universal experience to some extent, that feeling afterward when maybe we weren't in integrity with ourselves or we felt we betrayed ourselves in some way in order to be accepted, you know, in order to be loved, that quote from Marianne again, it's a grief mm -hmm. process, you know, it's, it's also really letting myself feel like wow, this is what I was hoping for, and then this is what I, the feedback I actually got. And again, this isn't to vilify anybody. It's to just be with the level of how, how people... I mean, basically, when you're in relationship with somebody, you're in relationship with how well they're able to deal with their own pain. Mm -hmm. And I mm. have just really come to not know that cognitively. I've always been this book learner, brainy, you know, type A person in the past year or so has really been realizing that being able to feel things in my heart and embody them is going to serve me so much more than being able to recite them and, and know them cognitively. So I've had to really let that sink into my heart that, you know, somebody else's relationship with their own pain is really theirs to carry and I can love them during it but I can't do it for them and I cannot I cannot influence that process by by me being some other version of myself that's not true mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the things you and I have said is that part of becoming resourced adults 
now at this phase of awakening in our lives is I will never betray myself or I will do my best. You can never say never, but I will make it my intention mm -hmm. to not betray myself in order to, you know, keep something together that's not supposed to be together. And I'm not just talking cryptically about a, a relationship or a or a, a life phase. It's just in any time in any circumstance the oper the question comes forward am i going to betray myself here and start blaming myself and shaming myself and judging myself in ways that aren't fair that doesn't mean i'm not accountable but it looks different mm -hmm. when you're coming from this place of hey you know what even though i feel sad i love and accept myself completely even though i feel angry mm -hmm. even though i feel inadequate even though i feel like a fat slob <laughs> whatever it is those feelings are all allowed and they can have a container in a in a loving vessel of myself and you know i think this book the marianne williamson woman's worth book is one of the biggest instrumental books that has really brought my relationship back to the divine too and it, you know people get i've been weird about what i call it you know i I had a hard time with the word God for a long time. Sometimes I say the universe, but the, the recognition that there is a power bigger than me that that uh, is is love itself. And, you know, Rob Bell talked mm -hmm. about on one of his Robcasts this encounter that he and his wife had with a whale when they were surfing. Mm-hmm. And how you mm -hmm. he was you have this sense in the moment of just the grand the grandiosity and and the the pure size and power and and force that that was so beyond anything that we as humans could conceptualize or control, and that that has really stuck with me. It was, you know, I have these intense feelings. Um, you know. I'm going to turn them over to my high, higher power, whatever that means for you. And mm -hmm. I think there's just a humility there and uh, with me that I don't control everything. And, and that with this book is like being able to move back into that feminine principle. I mean, I just want to read this really quick and then I'm going to stop with my soliloquy. But it says right here okay. on page 85, when we were taught as children and most of us were that our value lies in what we do as opposed to who we are, we automatically switched to a masculine psychological mode, doing, 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 in order to feel worthy. There seems to be no value placed on the experience of inner peace, and without it we find no room in which to rest. This leaves men as well as women feeling spiritually homeless. So just working on the being. Yes. Yeah. That is, that's something that I discuss a ton with a ton of people. I get a lot of people coming in with very, very chronic illnesses, and I'll ask them, they'll say, well, I can't do anything anymore. And I said, well, guess what? Your spirit is inviting you to be now. Mm. And you get to, you get to be reintroduced to yourself. This is your opportunity. You know, I really see, I really see that, you know, within my own life, um, this doing, well, I didn't do anything today. Well, well, what did you get to be today then? You know, I'll ask that. Mm. It's just like, it, it, it's, it's, it's really, it's really potent. And I want to go back to that idea of portraying yourself. 
and abandoning yourself. Um, I think that Marianne, you know, she just always sums it up the best. And, and I can definitely relate to very, very low times in my life where I did feel like I, I sort of sold myself out on some level to appease other people or to appease situations. And, and you know, I've explained some of those examples. But I had to go recently into a situation um, where I had to have a very um, uncomfortable interface with my ex-husband. And I decided to resource myself and go to yoga class beforehand. And I absolutely do what I do, which is, it's a great class because it's in the dark and you're just sweating and nobody can see anybody and it's lovely. And so I was able to just, you know, hold my heart and my lower abdomen and just ball my eyes out at the end. And the thing that I kept saying in my mind over and over is, I will never leave you again. You are never left. Hmm. And so it was that message of the divine saying, you were never left. You were always here. Mm -hmm. You were always with me. And me saying to myself, I'll never leave you. I'll absolutely never leave you. No matter who comes in and out of your life, no matter, even if our children leave, which they will at one time, they will leave our homes. God willing. And God <laughs> willing, we've, we've uh, prepared them for the world. <laughs> and they... And then we'll be left with us, and we'll be left with the divine, and that's what we have right now. And we absolutely have everything we need if we have that. Um, and I just was just filled with this immense sense of groundedness and safety, and I was able to go and really speak my truth and navigate through an incredibly uncomfortable situation. And on the other side, I was there. I was still there. And it was such a good feeling because absolutely nobody can take that away. And you know, you just, like if I could just continue to embody that on a daily yeah. basis. I and now we coast. It would be amazing. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Cruise right? control. I've learned it. You know and what? Now, really quickly, because I know you have it. to go. You have a patient coming. But I want to just yes. honor and recognize you for that because I want to point out you didn't walk away from that feeling like it was successful because there was a certain outcome or because you made mm -hmm. something happen. It was because you really settled into your way of being and then what yep. was supposed to come through hopefully did. And again, that's sort of the trust of the divine yeah, plan. Because, because there's so many things in that situation that were completely and utterly out of my control. Yes. Like life is. We have this idea that we have some control over something, but we don't. And at the end of the day, I need to be able to go in the same way that I come out, mm -hmm. right? And and that's and remain intact through it without being completely wounded. I mean, maybe you will. You're going to get beat up. You're going to get wounded sometimes. But in that situation, hey, you know what? I was able to come in and come out. Well, and, and I think that's important, though. It wasn't that you then created this... Uh, emotional, physical, spiritual force field that allowed you to be impenetrably protected. And I think that is an important myth to dispel. It's like, oh, well, if I do all these mm -hmm. things, then I'm going to be protected from the pain of my human experience. No, you're going to actually be able to feel it 
and then mm -hmm. react in a way that's going to serve everybody involved for the highest good. I just want to ask really quickly, because I think it's important, what do you think you had to give up in order to show up that way? I absolutely had to give up my idea of what it was going to look like. I had to give up my idea of an outcome, like that it was supposed to feel a certain way. Like, for instance, like, well, if I say these things or if I am this way, they're going to finally get it and they're going to finally give me what I want. Mm -hmm. Like, there was no outcome. There was, I'm going to say these things with the intention that I'm going to try to do the highest good for this situation. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, and, and I was asking, I said, you know, God, divine, please let me just be a vessel of whatever I need to say mm -hmm. for the highest good to help my son and myself, you know, and that's what I needed to say. And, and then I had to just kind of let it go because if I sat there and really thought about how out of control I was, I would never be able to like enjoy anything in my life. <laughs> so... Well, you know, I would just, yeah. <laughs> I would never be able to be present. Well, let me you know, just. I would never be able to be present. Here's what I think our ending thought should be then. This ties perfectly back into okay. what I, the podcast I listened to this morning with Dr. Stan Tatkin. He was mm -hmm. saying that when we are in our nervous systems and they're activated in a way that is wired for war and protection and safety, right our our limbic mm -hmm. system you know mm -hmm. our, our our lizard brain i gotta make this happen or mm -hmm. i'm not safe that whole thing we are there we are only self-serving we cannot think about others because we are only self-serving and self-preserving in those moments mm -hmm. so in order to actually not betray yourself was for you to get out of self-serving in the brain and move into what's actually good for everyone. I just want to note that you didn't say, well, how is this going to work out well for me? I said, you said, how can I, how can I be a channel for the greater good for everyone? Mm -hmm. So the resourceness of this was being able to move to that other part of your brain, which clearly yoga probably supported, but also just your thought patterns yeah. and belief system moving into that. So I just thought that was a good way to tie this all together. I love it. I love I love all of it. All right. Okay, well, I'm off to go serve. <laughs> and um, I'm going to wish you all a beautiful day. And if you need to find us, we are The Resourced Adult on Instagram and also Facebook. Um, yes. We can find, you can find me at terrainwellness.com. I also have, oh, a new Terrain Wellness YouTube channel. You guys should Ooh. check it out. And Facebook page. Um, and a Facebook page, as per the recommendation of my best friend, Tim. Um, <laughs> yes, the trickle effect of social media. What else? It's real. At Holistic Pediatrics is yes. your Instagram. And Holistic Pediatrics. This deserves a bigger mention, I think, but talking about ways to serve, yes. I am also going to be expanding. I am starting the Martha Beck Life Coach Training Program in January. Yay. So I will be expanding the so ways exciting. that I'm serving and allowing uh women and people to own their voice so i'm really excited about that so stay tuned about offerings in that realm thanks everybody i love it i love it 
Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. We're going to remind you to be well and be resourced. Peace, love, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Or talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye.